previously we talked about meeting Jesus, life-changing encounters from the book of Luke. Luke wrote a sequel that got in the Bible too, and we call that Acts. It includes people meeting Jesus after he'd lived, died, and risen again. Meeting Jesus gets even more interesting in the book of Acts because Jesus was no longer physically there. So maybe it's a little bit more like it would be for us meeting Jesus today. I'll be talking about that shortly, but first, why don't we listen together to Jenny as she reads from the Bible about someone called Saul who rather unexpectedly met with Jesus. All this time, Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples out for the kill. He went to the chief priest and got arrest warrants to take to the meeting places in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. He set off. When he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. As he fell to the ground, he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? He said, who are you, master? I am Jesus, the one you're hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city. In this city, you'll be told what to do next. His companions stood there dumbstruck. They could hear the sound, but couldn't see anyone. While Saul picking himself up off the ground, found himself stone blind. They had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. He continued blind for three days. He ate nothing, drank nothing. There was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias. The master spoke to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, master? He answered. Get up and go to Straight Avenue. Ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul. He's there praying. He has just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see again. Ananias protested, Master, you can't be serious. Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's been doing. His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem. And now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priest that give him license to do the same to us. But the master said, don't argue, go. I have picked him as my personal representative to Gentiles and kings and Jews. And now I'm about to show him what he's in for, the hard suffering that goes with this job. So Ananias went and found the house, placed his hands on blind Saul and said, Brother Saul, the master sent me, the same Jesus you saw on your way here. He sent me so you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got to his feet, was baptised and sat down with them to a hearty meal. Great. Thanks, Jenny. Saul's meeting with Jesus says some amazing things about how Jesus begins a meeting. And they're really worth a mention first off. After that, I'll say something about a few essential ingredients of a meeting with Jesus for any of us. So the first amazing thing about Jesus meeting with Saul is that Jesus called Saul, that's someone who was completely opposed.
opposed to him. Jesus called the persecutor to be the preacher. Now that's amazing grace. Saul wasn't looking for answers. He didn't feel lost or empty or incomplete. He was confident in what he believed, particularly the bit that those Jesus followers have got it all wrong. All the same, God's amazing grace didn't leave him like that. Whether you think following Jesus is obscure or obvious, crazy or crucial, even if you're saying, la, 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 not listening, God's amazing grace is calling each one of us. And he keeps calling until he stops us in our tracks. He keeps calling until we listen to him. I wonder what you've been listening to most lately. Your own la la la's or God's grace. Now, the second amazing thing is that in calling Saul, he didn't condemn him, but he asked him something significant. Of all the things that he could have said, now, I want you to get this, all right? And for that, I'm going to need a prop. God, higher and greater than Saul, calls out to him on his way to Damascus. It's the heat of the day. The sun is high in the sky. And from heaven, we're told, there is a voice from heaven. And it calls out. And despite the brightness of the sun, there is a glorious, <laughs> more glorious than this, there's a glorious light that shines. Now, if you are in this position above someone who opposes you, what is it you are going to call out? What are you going to say to them? Just ask yourself. You could say anything. You could tell them whatever you like from such a place of glory and greatness. And what does God speak to them? He says to Saul, why are you out to get me? I mean, just ask yourself, really, is that what you would say? I mean, uh, what would I say? I might say, uh, stop it, go away, lay off. If I was feeling particularly polite and suitably mid-Sussex, I might say, really, that's quite enough, thank you. Instead of any of that, God, from his place of glory, says, why are you out to get me? Why are you out to get me? He wants to speak to Paul, Saul, who is wrestling with him. And we've all wrestled with God, right? I know I have. Maybe you have too. Even though there's no reason for me doing it. There's no decent answer to God's question. And yet he is still asking it. Because he's looking for a conversation that's more than anyone deserves. More than Saul, more than me or you. It's like God really is love and it is amazing grace. What if God wants a conversation with you? 
Maybe you're not out to get him, but you still wouldn't mind being able to dob him in for not being attentive enough. Not always as helpful as you had expected. You might not be as full on out to get him a Saul, but maybe you're living like you can't really trust him and you only really mention his name in angry sentences. But all the same, what if God is waiting for a conversation with you? Why are you out to get me? There's one more amazing grace thing. And this one is my favourite. The third amazing thing is that Jesus didn't simply call Saul to get in line and stop being nasty to the Christians. After all, I'm guessing that the Christians there would be praying, Lord, there's this guy Saul, he's really out for us. Please, could you stop him? Maybe you could make him go away. But the thing is, Jesus isn't really one for sending us away. That's his amazing grace. Instead, he redeems everything in Saul that is desperate to defend the truth. So passionate to do that. He redeems it. It's like God's reached out in love to Saul and offered him the opportunity to be who he really was instead of the fake version of himself that he'd become. Don't we all do that? What if God is asking just the same of you today to kind of put down the mask, to stop trying to be fake you? And his grace is calling you to be real you, the person he's made you to be, the one he can redeem you to be. Are you ready to hear God's grace for who you really are? So what about the essential ingredients of meeting Jesus? Those are some of the amazing grace things of the way that he begins to speak to us. What might happen as we meet him? I'm calling the first of these essential ingredients we see in Saul's meeting with Jesus, encounter. We don't need to go to Damascus to meet Jesus, but we do all need encounter. We don't necessarily see stuff or have such a clear and dramatic calling, but becoming a Christian is about either a moment or maybe a season of encounter. And it's one where we get to ask who are you, Lord? Where we ask him that and sense something of his answer to us. Whatever else does or doesn't happen, we need enough encounter for recognising who Jesus is. That he's Lord. That he's relevant. That he's important. And truly significant. What sort of encounter have you had? What do you recognize about Jesus? Do you still need to ask Jesus, who are you, Lord, today? Alpha is a great place to begin. If you're not sure who Jesus is, do yourself a favor and try it as soon as you can. Actually, we all need more than an encounter. Being a Christian it's about a life of encounter. It's all about recognising more and more of Jesus 
with every day of our lives. What do you know of that? Added to our encounter, essential for meeting Jesus is surrender. Saul uh, did as he was told when God spoke to him. And that's actually massively different to what he previously wanted when he set out for Damascus. He had plans, he'd got letters of authority for hunting down Christians. Instead of following what he wanted to do, he leaves that and waits to be told what to do. Now, I can't help wondering the last time this smart and ambitious Saul actually did as he was told, particularly when it was the opposite of what he had set out to do. Saul didn't have to change a thing, in fact. Okay, I mean, he'd need to change how he operated until he got his eyes sorted, but there were some people with him and they helped him into Damascus and I suspect if he'd have wanted, they could have helped him finish what he came here to do. I really want you to hear this because something changed. Something in Saul surrendered. And people who've encountered Jesus don't have to surrender. It's just that they all do. Because once they've recognised him as Lord, it's what they all want to do. I suppose if you're still wondering whether you've encountered Jesus, maybe the simplest way is to know whether you've changed and what you really want right now. If you want to encounter him some more, maybe you need to know something more, something greater of surrender too. So along with encounter and surrender, meeting Jesus includes calling. Now, I've already said that Saul's calling was being the most authentic version of himself and putting off fake Saul. But the thing is that being authentic for Saul began with being with the people whose lives he had set out to wreck. Pretty awkward, eh? So Saul gets healed by one that he had come to hurt. And that one who he'd come to hurt, Ananias, calls the person who'd come hating him and had frankly only just stopped hating him, Ananias calls brother. Impossibly awkward, I say, except that it wasn't when they both met Jesus. Jesus had begun speaking to Saul, but he clearly confirmed it through his church. Everything had stopped on the road to Damascus with the blinding light. He couldn't see. We're told he didn't eat. He didn't drink. And everything that had stopped began again when he met with the church. He could see and he sat down with them to eat and drink. That's really important to notice. You see, sooner or later, meeting with Jesus involves meeting his church. It's the place of calling, of surrender, and of encounter. Now, each week here, we've been saying, if you need help, please contact us. Today, I'm asking as well, if you want help, if you, what do you want the church for? 
If you want Jesus, please contact us. Maybe two, I'm asking, whether you want him enough to get over any awkwardness? We both might know in that. Because together, by God's grace, we are building a place of meeting with Jesus, with reality, with acceptance, with recognition, encounter, freedom, healing, and calling. I want you to be part of that. And I really hope that's what you want to. So let's pray. Jesus, what a gracious saviour you are. I believe you will build your church in every life, in every season and circumstance. Although I have no idea who's watching right now, you know all about them. You know who they really are and who they are called to be. I pray, will you shine a light into lives right now. Don't leave us the same. Stop us in our tracks, Jesus. I pray for encounters today. I pray for people to see you, to get it. Encounters that save, that change, that heal and call. In your amazing grace, in your unending love, would you speak now, Jesus?